Nick McKinley is a former Air Force pararescue man and CIA agent with a focus on a war on terror and a war on drugs. On today's episode, he's giving insight into his current world as the leader of a nonprofit organization against sex trafficking called Deliver Fund. It's estimated that millions of individuals are trafficked around the world each year, and it doesn't happen the way that we often think that it does. Nick explains on this episode the most common forms of trafficking and how they're usually done by people that women or children may already know in their lives. He talks about the dangers of social media and the apps that are further perpetuating the problem of sex trafficking that parents may not even realize are contributing to this problem. Nick has a unique perspective on taking down the traffickers via the web, via social media, via pornography, instead of only focusing on rehabilitating the victims, which is also a part of their focus. But I'm so excited for you to hear his perspective, his heart, how God has led him to this place and what we can do to make a difference in the lives of our children and also the lives of others around the world. Let's jump in. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how-tos, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and today I am here with Nick McKinley, a former CIA agent who is also in charge of a nonprofit called Deliver Fund. So I want to jump in, Nick, just a little bit of your background. You've shared this with us on my other podcast, the All The Things Podcast, but today we are going to talk about sex trafficking as a whole and kind of the current state of that right now. So talk a little bit about your nonprofit Deliver Fund and how you got into this position. Thanks, Lindsay. When we look at this type of work, we naturally assume as a country that there's somebody that that's doing this type of work. And I thought the same thing. I just had the added benefit of being a CIA agent with an incredibly high security clearance. Mm -hmm. And there's not much that was off limits to us. And in doing the work that I was doing, which was predominantly counter-narcotics and counter-terrorism related, we kept running into human trafficking intelligence. And I just assumed somebody was doing something about it. But when I started digging, I figured out that there wasn't really anything being done. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I had the networks and I had the the skills and knew how to tackle a problem like this. And so I decided to do so. Well, thank you for doing it. And thank you for being willing to speak on it because I think that's something that has been very interesting to me based on our past conversation and also just what I've seen recently is that 
the White House is now pouring funds into this, but it's almost been a hush issue for so long. And it's like celebrities are bringing traction and we'll get to all of that. But I am curious Now there are just conversations on social media. Like I said, there are celebrities pushing it. The White House is pushing progress. Are you finding that these conversations where people are finding out about Jeffrey Epstein and all of those people involved in the accusations of him being a sex predator, are you finding that these conversations are helpful to the cause because they're bringing awareness or are they a hindrance to it? So the answer is yes. (laughs) Okay. They're helpful in that people will start actually looking for information. However, they're a hindrance in that what we find is a lot of what you hear about sex trafficking through popular media is just wrong. Hmm. We tend to look at the sensationalized cases like Jeffrey Epstein and those types of cases, but those are incredibly rare. The predominant form of sex trafficking is girls that are being taken advantage of and boys too. And there's some some trans population in there as well, but predominantly that are being women and girls that are being taken advantage of by people that they know and are being sold for commercial sex. That's the reality of it, is that it's not that there's one Jeffrey Epstein. It's that there are thousands of much lower level Jeffrey Epsteins. And so what is that? mean for us? I think as people with a heart to help or a heart to bring awareness, the last thing I assume is anybody would want to be a hindrance to this or would not want to be helpful. And so what can we do? A lot of my listeners are moms or dads or caretakers. What can we do as those people to better prepare our children of different ages? Because obviously for me, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. How do we keep toddlers and elementary age children safe versus protecting high school and college students from being groomed by these traffickers? What steps can be taken? I think good parenting is really the answer to it preferably biblical parenting. And parents realize that they need to be nosy. They need to know what's going on in their kids' lives. Primarily because the lack of parental involvement is exactly what the human traffickers are betting on. And you look at like right now in the time of COVID is is a great example. I mean, we've seen a spike in human trafficking predominantly because you've got more girls online Mm -hmm. with less supervision. And traffickers are able to take advantage of that. When you look at like what you can do to prepare, you can't really, I don't think, prepare. You can say that, you know, teach your kids, especially teenagers, that anything that's too good to be true or seems too good to be true really is. And no, some boy cannot fulfill your every need. That's predominantly what we see with teenage human trafficking victims is they're they're looking for that boy that they think is going to meet all their needs, but that boy just ends up isolating them from their support networks and taking advantage of them. I recently read something that said, with social distancing and closures of many institutions, one might expect trafficking to decline, but human trafficking has become a major lucrative crime in a pandemic-rocked world with supply chains cut off for other forms of illicit activities and lockdown measures creating severe vulnerabilities for those most at risk, helping to create the next generation of human trafficking victims. What have you guys seen at Deliver Fund during the time of coronavirus and isolation? How has it affected what you guys do with sex trafficking? It hasn't affected what we do at all. 
it has only affected the market and that there's more availability. Nobody really has good numbers on the demand side of what's happening with COVID, but on the availability side, there's a lot more. So there are Obviously, the economics have been pretty devastating to the country. So you have women who are thinking that that they will just go sell their bodies in order to make money because the restaurant they were working at is now closed. The human traffickers pay attention to that. Human traffickers know whether or not they know what they're doing. And and so one of the dates that they set up is where they think it's going to be for a you know, some customer, it's actually a human trafficker, and then they end up in the human trafficking cycle. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's a confluence of events that has really caused a, uh, what is a market opportunity for human traffickers. And how does this play in? This is something that I have seen recently. There is a website for parents to know about. It's called OnlyFans. And it's basically like, you're selling your body, from what I understand, you're ultimately selling your body for likes or views or whatever, and then you get paid. And then there are these sugar daddies that are everywhere and contacting young girls and asking to see pictures of them or to meet up with them. What is your experience with this? What is your knowledge of it? And how is it, of course, just awareness on social media, but how is it that people are taking these people down? Or is this something that's just totally legal to do now? It's completely legal. I mean, there's free speech in this country, so it's not illegal. But what we have noticed is that human traffickers also put their victims on those sites. Mm -hmm. And they also recruit and find victims on those sites because they know that if a girl is already willing to be a partner to a sugar daddy or is already willing to sell her body virtually, well, then she's already more than half the way to where he needs her to be with a commercial sale. Now, even on OnlyFans, we have victims who are being trafficked on the OnlyFans website. Wow. The money that is coming through is coming through and going to the trafficker, not to the girl on the other side of the screen. Let's talk practically about it. So for those who maybe haven't listened to any conversations about this or don't really know much about it, can you just talk a little bit about in detail what happens to these girls when they get trafficked by somebody that they know, which is what you're saying is the most common thing? Where do they go? What do they do with them? What is the purpose of this? How are they sold? And how is this not kind of seen more by the government? Well, it's because they use what appears to be prostitution. So if you go to any of these websites, you're going to see a number of women advertising themselves. The major majority are prostitution victims. Okay. Now, nobody has good numbers on that, but we know that just antidotally through the work that we do. What we don't know is exactly how big the human trafficking chunk of that is, but we estimate it to be in the 20% range at a bare minimum. That's the most conservative number that we can come up with. Mm -hmm. So if 20% of the people advertising themselves are not actually freely doing that on any of these websites then you've got a major human trafficking pandemic. Yeah. Now, they advertise themselves under an escort. Now, we all know that that's code for prostitution, but escort is not illegal. The government cannot go start questioning somebody based on them doing something that is illegal. You know, that's the equivalent of your, you know, of you driving the speed limit down the road and following all the rules 
and the police pulling you over anyway without any probable cause. Mm -hmm. So there's really no probable cause that allows the law enforcement officers to go after these websites writ large because by and large, they are operating legally. Now, some are not, and I actually think that most are not if they were able to dig deep enough, but there's a scale issue, right? Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of these websites are operating overseas, so they're actually not US-based companies. And that's the thing about the internet is if you wanna visit a storefront in Belarus, you can do that with the click of your mouse. Yeah, and it's so interesting because as we talk about this, I think... Gosh, in the thick of my sin before I knew Jesus, in the thick of my attention seeking and desperation and all of those things, I wouldn't put it past myself to have gotten on a website like that. I thank God every day it didn't exist at the time. But I think as parents, we can look at our kids and think, oh, they would never get involved in something like that. But when you see it consistently on TikTok as an option to make money for school or to pay off student loans or something because they're in a desperate place themselves, they're willing to put themselves out there in a way that maybe you wouldn't have raised them to do so. And yet they're just trying to find a solution to a problem. Of course, not justifying it in any way, shape or form, but it is something where it's so accessible. The temptation is so accessible and then it becomes a really horrible winding path. So you had mentioned websites, Nick, and I know we had spoken previously about this, but I'd love for our listeners to hear about your experience with the deep web and the dark web and the difference between the two and how sex trafficking prospers through this. So most people think that human trafficking is happening on the deep and dark web, and it's not. It's happening on the front-facing internet, the same internet that you can access through Google. If you're looking for this information, I mean, even just using Google, you can find where to go to start participating in this industry within a matter of minutes. Mm. So, you know, the technologies like Google, technologies in general, it's a black box, it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And good people use it for good. I mean, you're using technology right now, the exact same technology that you are using to do everything from spread the word of God to give good advice to parents, to spread information about commercial sex trafficking. That exact technology is also being used by sex traffickers to recruit girls, make money by introducing them to the people who are going to abuse them. What is the outcome when these girls are found? So the White House recently announced they'll be giving $35 million to organizations that provide safe housing for survivors of human trafficking and also create an executive order to help combat the trafficking and online sexual exploitation. Having your hands in the thick of this, do you believe that these attempts are steps in the right direction for our country? Do you feel like once these girls are in it, that coming out of it is incredibly difficult? What are your opinions on that? Absolutely. What the White House did is the right thing to do. Uh, We completely applaud their effort. However, it's not even remotely enough. Two, the $35 million that they put up was predominantly for human trafficking victim restoration. I want you to think about it this way. If somebody was throwing eggs at the front of your house, 
And every morning they showed up at nine o'clock and they just threw a dozen eggs at the front of your house and you went out and cleaned them up. Or do you call the cops and have them waiting there at nine o'clock the next morning to prevent the person from ever throwing the eggs at your house in the first place? Right. Well, the eggs are human trafficking victims and the person throwing them is the human trafficker. Mm. And so when we put $35 million towards victim restoration, it's an incredibly important thing. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have because that, that money is hopefully going to be very well spent. However, if we don't go after the trafficker, then all we're doing is playing cleanup. One of our advisors at Deliver Fund, who was a, a human trafficking survivor herself, a woman by the name of Sandy Storm, she has made a very good analogy where she said for years on the human trafficking battlefield, all we've been doing is treating people who got shot instead of going after the people who are shooting them. Mm. And that's what we do at Deliver Fund is we go after and find the human traffickers so that law enforcement can take action against the human trafficker. So we've had human traffickers who've been involved in our cases brag in court about how they could go to a bus stop and they could get a new victim anytime they wanted. Oh my gosh. Uh, and really, they were only limited in the number of victims that they created by how many they could manage within what is a business model. Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking about it through that lens, it's like, okay, well, yes, we need $35 million towards the restoration of human trafficking victims. It takes, I believe it's on average, it takes seven contacts with the restoration cycle in order for a human trafficking victim to be restored. And even then, based on what happens to them, they're obviously never fully restored to who they could have been had right. that never happened to because them. Because of trauma. So absolutely. So let's just make sure that there are no human traffickers out there to victimize our children. So let's put $35 million towards the restoration, human trafficking victims, and let's put $3.5 towards finding human traffickers and holding them accountable. Hey all, just a quick break because many of you have asked how you can support this ministry. One thing that you may not know is that the Living Easy podcast reaches far outside of the US. We have listeners in Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, China, and more. The gospel is being spread literally around the world, and you can be a part of that. All you have to do is go to patreon.com backslash living easy to join. You can simply support the ministry with a few dollars a month or 10 cents per day, or you can join the coffee date thing or the bestie thing. With the coffee date thing, I am building real face-to-face -face friendships with the women who are a part of that community. I get on once a month on Zoom and we talk about real life and faith and marriage and relationships and just chat, real, real conversation. For the bestie thing, I want to support you. I will share one person per month on my social platform to over 40,000 followers and to tens of thousands of email subscribers and allow them to hear about your business or your social platform. So again, just go to patreon.com backslash living easy to check out all of the options. Thanks guys. And how does Deliver Fund do that? Because you've shared previously that that's the focus is to take down those traffickers and to find them. Your background with the CIA, can you talk a little bit about that experience and how that led you into what you're doing now and how you guys go through the process of not just 
focusing on restoration, but primarily focusing on taking those people down? Sure. First, I want to just set some expectations for your listeners that yes, myself and my co-founder, we came from kinetic units at the CIA. We know as much about kicking doors as most people alive, (laughs) but that is not what this is. We are not rogue vigilantes going out there, setting up (laughs) fake sting operations and doing all that stuff that quite frankly doesn't work and isn't scalable. What we do is strictly cyber. We're a cyber intelligence organization. So we find these human trafficking victims online, but then we don't just stop there and just send a tip to law enforcement to say, hey, we think we found a human trafficking victim. Because that's not really helpful because they're already getting those tips by the hundreds Mm -hmm. every single month. There's more tips coming in than they can handle. What we do is we continue that process and we find the human trafficking victim. And then we, then we try to figure out who she is. We usually do. And we try to figure out whether or not she's really a human trafficking victim or she's a prostitute. Then we figure out who the human trafficker is. And then we package all of that. And then more importantly, we figure out what their past pattern of movement has been and their past pattern of life has been. And we package all of that up and we give it to law enforcement and then law enforcement can go take action on it. Mm. So that's what we do on, on one side of our model, but we work off an equip, train, and advise model. So on the advise side, we give the intelligence, but on the equip and train model, that's exactly what it sounds like. We give equipment in the terms of software. In many cases, that is access to our software, which is the largest human-curated database of human tracking activity in existence. We give them access to that, but then we train them how to do what it is that we do. So the goal for Deliver Fund, the exception of the most difficult jurisdictions like Houston, Texas, the goal for Deliver Fund is to train these law enforcement officers, support them with intelligence for a period of time, and then get them to the point where they actually don't need our help anymore and they can do it all on their own. I'm curious, as you speak about this and kind of the heaviness that it is, because it's a lot to carry, how does it affect you on a personal level? Is it something you carry home with you a lot? Just for me, reading the news or reading it on social media, it's a lot. Like It's a heavy weight as a parent, just as this constant thought of, man, this is all happening kind of right in front of our eyes without us realizing it. Do you struggle with taking that home with you? And how do you deal with that with your family? So I don't struggle with that because that's who God made me. God set the warrior apart. Yeah, You know, you think about the Bible is basically a big spy and war novel. David didn't take home killing Goliath. He didn't lose any sleep that night. He probably slept better than he ever had because that's who God made us. So that's why it's important to have the right people, which is what we do with our donors' dollars. We build technologies and hire the right people to go after these folks. The heaviness just really isn't there for an entire career in counterterrorism. This stuff just doesn't bother me. And that's why we take the approach that we do is because we can do it at scale. We can put the right people and the right technologies together to be able to fight human trafficking in a way that doesn't rot people's brains. Now, that's not to say that we don't have cases that really are incredibly sad. And, you know, I mean, we feel emotions like everybody else, but the people that we recruit are former CIA, former NSA, former JSOC and SOCOM. So all the cool acronyms for the the special operators and intelligence operatives. 
we know all those folks because they're our friends because we served with them overseas. And then also we have dozens of them writing in every month asking, you know, when our next hiring round is going to be because they want to come work for us. So putting the right people in place is what keeps us from destroying people's brains because they're spending too much time doing this work. That really is just one of those things where you see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you look at what you do with CIA, you look at what you do with the liver fund, and then you have doctors dealing with really terrible cases, those types of things where it can really break some people. But when you lean into the obedience of what God has called you to, it's a huge blessing and obviously impacts the world around you as the body of Christ. And you as our Christian, Nick, I'm curious how the gospel propels you forward. How does your relationship with Jesus kind of play into everything that you have done in the CIA and everything that you do now? I was blessed and fortunate enough to make it into the Air Force Pararescue. There's a 92% attrition rate, was the last I heard from Air Force Pararescue. 92% of the people who try don't make it. And that's wow. 92% of a pre-selected population. If, if you take in the people who show up to the first test, you're looking at more like 2%. Mm-hmm. But somehow, by the grace of God, I made it through that. Um, and then I did that for 10 years and then got recruited to the Central Intelligence Agency. 1% yeah. is the Central Intelligence Agency selects. So I was fortunate enough to make it there. And why? Well, because I think God was preparing me for this. Then I leave what is a very, very good government job to go start a nonprofit that I know nothing about a nonprofit, to go do something that nobody's ever done before. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, that I've never done before. And it's incredibly successful. I mean, we have a 100% conviction rate on the cases we've been involved in that have gone to court. But I've never been in law enforcement. We're growing as an organization. I mean, COVID has hit us really hard, but we haven't had to lay anybody off. We haven't had to stop doing what we're doing. God's bringing us through this, and we're probably actually going to grow a little bit this year. Those are just examples of saying, like, if this wasn't what God wanted me to doing, then I don't believe it it would have worked this well. Mm -hmm. And that's what I look at. You know, it's been orderly. It's been incredibly stressful. Don't get me wrong, but that's stress that I have put on myself. Mm. Like expectations? No, um, just for lack of faith. When the accounts start getting low or things start going wrong, of course, I immediately am like, oh my gosh, the whole thing is going to come crashing down. It's like, well, Nick, guess what? The five other times you've said that, God didn't let the whole thing come crashing down. And he's not going to this time either. So I'm feeling stressed that I don't actually need to be feeling. (laughs) I understand. I get that. (laughs) I can relate. That's really where it comes in. Because when you look at what I did on paper, it was pretty dumb, quite frankly. (laughs) You know, I mean, the world does not consider what I did very wise. However... It's been working well and it's been growing. It's been accomplishing the mission. Now we're getting into a whole new place where we have software that's going to be doing a lot of what the humans have been doing, which means that our ability to go after human traffickers is going to become that much more scalable. Mm -hmm. We have all of these things happening. So basically now I'm in charge of a nonprofit intelligence and software company 
because we're giving this software to law enforcement officers because they desperately need it. And nobody's made the software before because there's no money in it. There's no market for counter human trafficking activities within law enforcement and they don't have budgets for it. We have an analyst as an example embedded in the Houston Police Department. That analyst is doing human trafficking analysis for them every day because the Houston Police Department doesn't have the budget to be able to hire an analyst to do that work. So we gave them one. I love the pathway because what it screams to me is selflessness. Because like you're saying, the world says, why would you give up a prestigious, highly paying job for something that you've never experienced before? But that is fully trusting in the Lord's provision, fully trusting in he is calling me to this, to make a step, to make a change, to impact the world for the kingdom of God. And to live that out is very rare to see in our world. And so I just commend you for that because it's not easy to let go of the things that everyone tells us that we need and our utmost importance. But as you speak about the policemen and the police department, it just feels so interesting to me. Like I cannot wrap my mind around why why this is the way that it is. Why is there not a focus on this? Why is this not something that people care more about? Is it because it's not directly impacting them and their families? That's exactly it. So if human trafficking was impacting the political donor base, I guarantee you there would be significant funding uh, of these initiatives, just like when you look at narcotics in the 80s and then, you know, Reagan came along and created the war on drugs. Okay, so why? Well, it's because you had wealthy suburban white kids who were overdosing on drugs and their parents were the political donors. And so they asked the politicians to start doing something about it. So that's why as a, you know, as a country, we spend billions of dollars in the war on drugs. 90% of drugs are legal, by the way. So we spend billions of dollars fighting the war on drugs. You look at, we have a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms are all legal commodities, yet we have an entire bureaucratic infrastructure to fight what is the illegal sale of legal commodities. Yet 100% of human slavery, which you know we've made the term more polite and called it human trafficking, well, let's call it what it is, yeah. especially on the commercial sex side, it's the industrialized rape of children. of which is illegal, and yet we don't have a single government entity that is focused on fighting it. And I can tell you firsthand that infighting between the various groups within the government that are trying to do something renders them less than effective than they could be. It's so mind-blowing to me. I guess as I get older, honestly, and just realizing how much politics and money play into everything, including the compassion of people and of children. And we've mentioned before, and this will be my last question, Nick, before we sign off, but with pornography, how much this plays in. And I think there are so many people, hopefully not Christians, but so many people who 
normalize pornography as something that's part of their lives. And yet I've recently seen Pornhub being blown up. I signed a petition to have it taken down because they are promoting sex trafficking. They're having children and they have all of these, from what I have heard, actual child pornography on their site that isn't even being notice. So can you talk to the men on this episode who are listening or the wives even who have normalized pornography, not even from a biblical perspective, but from a trafficking perspective and how that impacts the sex trafficking world? Sure. And I think I said it on your other podcast. Mm -hmm. If you're a man and you're using pornography, then you're making a choice to be stupid and weak. Yeah. I mean, let's just take the moral and ethical side of it. Like, you're dumber than you would be otherwise, and you are weaker than you would be otherwise. And so what man wants to be stupid and weak? Mm. So men need to, you know, consider what choices they're making. But also we know that human trafficking victims are being forced to do pornography on websites. They use cameras and, and things like that because human trafficking victims whose human traffickers have been convicted in a court of law for human trafficking for that very activity have told us about it Mm. and given us the intel on it so that we could go after other human traffickers and in some cases go after the websites themselves. Yeah. To the men who are engaging in this, I mean, we're coming out with some software plays where we're going to be able to figure out exactly who they are. Now, We've never taken a demand-driven approach before, but we're eventually going to start doing that. So the word of warning to men who are engaging this activity is you've got a bunch of former CIA and NSA people who are going to make you their hobby. Now, we haven't decided exactly what we are legally allowed to do with that information, but we're going to get it figured out. And this is really the difference in our approach at Deliver Fund. Like we talk about the war on drugs. We talk about the war on terror. Well, I've got really 15 years of experience fighting the war on terror. Some, you know, number of years fighting the war on drugs. How do you fight a war on on an inanimate object? Never could quite figure that out, even though I was in the middle of it. Now you can have a war on terrorists, you can have a war on human traffickers. And that is very much what we are doing. We are prosecuting a war on human traffickers by, with, and through our partners in law enforcement. And it's just a matter of time for both human traffickers and customers, quite frankly, you know, they're going to be held accountable. Now, for the victims, if there are any victims out there who would happen to listen to this podcast, I don't know how that would happen, but if there are, We are working on this issue and don't lose hope because law enforcement officers are on the corner and also law enforcement officers can be trusted. This whole defund the police movement is just complete insanity because who fights human trafficking? The only people who actually fight human trafficking, they hold the human traffickers accountable are people with badges and guns. If you don't have a badge and a gun, you can't hold a human trafficker accountable. I really appreciate everything that you're doing, Nick. Like I said earlier, it makes me sick to my stomach and I know I would not be a good fit for what you do, but I do know that we can support you and come alongside Deliver Fund and just make help to make a difference with people who are actually impacting. And that's one thing that I love about this is 
you kind of see petitions coming up or you see opportunities, but you don't ever really know where the money is going. And that's something that I just feel confident in with Deliver Fund. And I know that our listeners can as well. The money is going toward something incredibly life-changing for these victims of trafficking and also for the future of sex trafficking as a whole to take it completely down. And so can you tell our listeners how they can donate to you, what they can do to support you? So you can donate by going to deliverfund.org. That's D-E-L-I-V-E-R fund.org forward slash donate. Every dollar helps. So please do that. And then you can find us on social media at, at deliverfund. And you can find me personally at deliverfund, Nick, N-I-C. Well, thanks, Nick. I so appreciate it. I know that we're going to have you on All The Things again because your episode on All The Things podcast was one of the most downloaded that we've ever had. I think it was actually one, if not the first one. So the information that you bring to the table and the knowledge and the wisdom that you allow for us to have maybe in a world where we're inundated with information that may not be fully accurate. I just appreciate the authenticity and the honesty that you bring to the table. So thank you so much for jumping on. And for our listeners, make sure to follow along with Deliver Fund. Take a second to donate. You know, I think we think, oh, I don't have the funds for that. But if you're willing to get a cup of coffee a month or every week, you know, using that money, sacrificing whatever it is that might be a treat to help save lives is just the most incredible gift because our money ultimately is not ours. It is God's anyway. And so what are we doing with that money? So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too, so don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.myestis. Love you guys.